Welcome to the SEO Freelancer Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Leroy. And today I am talking with Nick Jordan, who is going to give us a background on his SEO career, uh, freelancing experiences that he's had, as well as how he's driven over a million impressions on LinkedIn. Before we jump into this month's episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Sightbulb. So Sightbulb is a tool that I personally use for a lot of my clients and my auditing initiatives. It's a tool that I actually consider an SEO tax that I'm willing to pay and happily pay every single year. The Sightbulb team has made it incredibly easy to use this tool, um, not only just to crawl the site itself, but making sure that you understand why the things that are being called out as an issue are actually an issue. So it doesn't matter if you're running a crawl on a 10-page site or if you're in the progress of migrating million pages over to a new domain. Sitebulb's got you back. So if you haven't already, go ahead, go to sitebulb.com and download the tool. You get a 14-day free trial and put Sitebulb to the test. It's a tool that I rely on regularly, and I think you will too. Just give it a shot at sitebulb.com. Thanks again to Sitebulb for sponsoring this episode. And let's jump into this month's episode with Nick Jordan. Hey, Nick, uh, super excited to be here and, and share, you know, what I've learned growing uh, my career as a as an SEO consultant. Um, and I'm really hoping your audience can walk away with some actionable, tactical things they can start implementing tomorrow. Yeah, I think this is going to be a very exciting um, conversation here. Uh, jumping straight in, Nick, for those that aren't familiar with you, can you give us a little bit of an introduction? You know, what's your name, who you are, what are you up to these days? Yeah, for sure. My name is Nick Jordan. I started a SEO agency called contentdistribution.com, but in the beginning, it was just me. Um, three, four years later, uh, I've launched a couple SEO products, workello.com and Cluster AI. I grew my agency from one to 45 writers and editors. We published more than 10,000 pages, and we took a project from zero to 1.5 million organics a month, uh, enabling them to raise out a $210 million valuation. Um, but it, I didn't. I didn't end up there. I was an SEO consultant just by myself, um, you know, in the beginning. And Nick, that's why I was so excited to have you on this show. It just kind of shows that you know freelancing can potentially be a starting point and bringing you to where you are today. And it can be a career all on its own. And as some people know, it can also be you know uh, just an additional opportunity you know, on top of the nine to five. So I think with that, Nick, I'd love to hear from you. Like, where did you start with your SEO career? Like, you know, can you just give us a little bit of a background? Yeah, you know, I would say it's it's a, a non-traditional career, but um, maybe it's not so much. So I actually had a whole career outside of SEO. Uh, I got into SEO only about five or six years ago. Um, before that, I was, a, I was a sales guy. And um, I'm from Seattle. If you look me up on social, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook, Nick from Seattle is uh is my handle hopefully you don't move anytime soon right the i i uh i future i future proofed it so i could be nick from seattle in europe i could be nick from seattle in asia I could there you be go from seattle and uh miami <laughs> i like it yeah so walk us through um what was the the first job that you got that was relevant to seo i know you had said you kind of started in a sales position which i suspect gave you uh, quite a benefit to be able to quote unquote sell yourself, you know, in your SEO services. But walk us through a little <laughs> bit. 
what that was like. Yeah, that's a. Uh... That's very true. So being from Seattle, um, it doesn't matter what you do, you'll end up in tech. Uh, and so that's what happened to me is I spent 15 years or 10 years, um, something like that, building, a, you know, building early stage SaaS companies, um, sometimes for myself, sometimes for other people. Um, and I joined this organization. We grew to 200 employees and four years bootstrapped. Uh, and I worked at incredible scale with companies like Rackspace and GoDaddy. And I looked at my skill set and I realized I had built an enterprise business development skill set. And as someone who wants to be an entrepreneur, I realized, well, it's not a great skill set to have because I can't build enterprise anything. Can't build an enterprise product, can't build an enterprise support team, can't build an enterprise legal team. And so I was like, man, I got to learn this marketing stuff. It's going to better service me and, and kind of the goals and aspirations I have to travel the world. I'm, I'm currently in Europe um, where I've been living for the last couple of years. And as a sales guy, you got to live on time zone. Your value stops when you, you know, hang up the phone and, and log off for the day. Um, and so I was like, I got to learn marketing and it's going to be SEO. Um, and I, um, I quit my super cushy high status tech job, making a hundred thousand a year to slang local SEO services for a local SEO agency that my buddy was running for minimum wage, because I knew that in order to sell SEO, it's a consultative sale. You have to know what you're talking about. And in order to know what you're talking about, I had to learn it. So I was like, I'm going to sell it, but that's going to drive the learning. And that's under what ultimately what ended up happening. And that's crazy. So was it literally just kind of like overnight, like you put in your notice, making this cushy, as you had said, $100,000 salary. And now you're, you know, making 15 <laughs> bucks an hour or whatever it, it happened to be at the time. Was it literally that, that much of a swing? It, it, uh, so I ended up burning out after four years. And so I, I spent six months laying on a beach. Um, and then I went into the SEO agency. I, Ooh, I was talking to my buddy. I was like, I was like, man, I'm, I'm like four months in. I'm pretty bored at this point. I like, I need to do something. Like, I think it's going to be SEO. Like, let's do it. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty cool. I've you know, always had a lot of respect for people that have SEO as kind of a, a second career. You know, Marie Haynes is one individual that I always talk to, you know, and she was a vet in a previous life and then switched. Oh, wow. Up. I had no idea. Yeah. I, to Marie, but I didn't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's really cool. You know, whereas like myself, you know, I had graduated from college and kind of fell into an SEO role, you know, and this was yeah. really before SEO had even been defined, you know, shoot, it's almost 15 years ago at this point, but it's just exciting to hear what everybody's stories are. You know, it wasn't from a lack of trying. I actually tried to get into SEO a couple times earlier in my career, and I just never saw enough results to stick with it. Um, mm -hmm. And it didn't really click until the third time that I tried to get into it, which is when I was working for an SEO agency, and it was so much easier, you know, um, being able to ask my coworkers, hey, how does this all work, instead of trying to figure it out by myself. Definitely. So you you quit this cushy job again, as you had said. Yeah. You got a minimum uh, wage paying local SEO. There's obviously yeah. a gap here. And we'll talk a bit more about the freelancing work that you had done. But can you walk us through a little bit more? What, what's kind of the in-between, you know, from where yeah, you are now running your own company to, you know, the guy who kind of walks in and says, I'm going to be an SEO today. Yeah. So um, let's go from let's go from uh, making minimum wage selling SEO to kind of my SEO freelancing career. So um I like I you in order to like learn stuff you have to do it you can't just read about it and so you know when I looked at the projects the agency was working on they're all pretty you know um, I would say 
boring or unambitious, but they're all local service businesses with a thousand dollar a month budgets. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just wasn't, I just wasn't interested in any of the things that they were doing. And so I was like, I'm going to take control of the blog, the agency blog, and I'm going to grow that. And that's how I'm going to learn SEO. Um, and I ended up growing it to a hundred thousand organics a month from about a hundred pages of content. Some of the keywords that we ranked for were pretty funny. Uh, we outranked Instagram for Instagram support. That article received tens of thousands of visitors a month. We did the same with Shopify, except we were right under Shopify for Shopify support. Um, <clears throat> didn't make any money from it, but kind of informed like my philosophy and approach to SEO today. Uh, and then to actually rank and drive traffic. Yeah, yeah. And then we, our agency wanted to get into e-commerce. And so I was in charge of starting a small drop shipping website so we could kind of learn how Shopify SEO works. And it worked again. And I was like, hey, I think I kind of know this stuff. Um, and uh, for various reasons, I had outgrown the agency. Um, I'll leave it there. Uh, and <laughs> on, my way out, on my way out, I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to quit this agency in like six months, I better like, like I'm just going to start my own publishing site. And so I started this website called Doggypedia, and then that hit 100,000 organics a month. And all the kind of success that I saw um, I one, I came in and I accomplished my goal to learn SEO. But then two, I was pretty sure that once I left the company, I would still know SEO right. and I'd be able to kind of figure out any new challenges that came. Um, and so I left. I love it. I think that's amazing. I think too many of us we get stuck in what's you know considered comfortable, or you know when you're not getting stretched anymore, it, it becomes a perceived easy paycheck. So. For you to recognize that and say, hey, I'm learning things, I've shown success, I'm going to take it to the next level is huge. Yeah, you know, the reason I was so comfortable kind of stepping down from this, like, my last job sent me to Europe four times in a year, and now I'm like selling to flower shops. Um, and the reason <laughs> I was so comfortable with that is because the way that I approach every opportunity that I take is, you know, whether I get rich or not, I'm going to meet the people and learn the skills to do something even higher impact next. And so when I quit, that high status tech job, I, I was looking at the five-year plan. Sure. Not next year, not the next three years, but where am I going to be in the next five years? And so it was very it was a very easy decision for me to make. Yeah. And I think just looking at a five-year um, career trajectory is hard. I mean, there's so many opportunities, especially like you said, when you take, and I don't want to say this like directly, but from a salary perspective, you take the step back. But you obviously yeah. were taking the step back with the idea of the six steps moving forward, which is yeah, yeah. very exciting, but still difficult. Yeah, you know, well, it's, it's the, the five-year plan is kind of similar to SEO. Like you got to <laughs> plant the seeds, you got to, you got to, you know, water them. And then hopefully in five years, you don't get crushed by a Google update and you come out. Yeah. On top. <laughs> there, there's nothing more disheartening than that. But maybe yeah. Nick, we can jump into a little bit. So like you said, there's still that little bit of in, in between, you know, before you had launched um, the current company that you have, you know, where you were doing more consulting. But one thing that I really enjoyed that you had kind of positioned to me was how you were able to build, you know, a six-figure revenue stream without having a website or a team to support you. Do you want to walk, th walk yep. us through a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. So I think in the first, I don't know, is I think it's the first year. Something a hundred. I generated about one hundred and fourteen thousand uh, dollars before we had a website. So one, uh, I did a couple things when I was leaving this this agency that I was working at that I recommend um, 
your listeners also consider. So I was like, well, um, you know, this whole marketing thing, the beauty of it is that it's one to many. The sales thing I'm good at, it's one to one. I got to jump in there and have the same conversation again and again and again. But this marketing thing is one to many. So what I started doing is I started building my brand before I left. Um, and what that means is I went into Facebook groups like SEO Signals Lab and, and all of the big ones. And I just started being helpful to everyone that uh, was asking questions. And I did that same strategy on LinkedIn. I would both post content and then I would spend a lot of time giving away as much value as I could on the newsfeed. Um, and ultimately, I can attribute every dollar of revenue I've ever generated from consulting to building my brand on social. That's amazing. And, and I've said this before plenty of times on the podcast, and most people that are familiar with me are aware of my newsletter, the SEO for Lunch, and, you know, kind of a different approach, but very similar to yours. It's like I was building that that personal awareness, that brand, and trying to give back. You know, I'd written that newsletter for like three or four years before I had even dared, like, take an advertiser or ask somebody. I love it. You know, so... You know, fortunately for for me, it was kind of my insurance policy for, you know, when I would eventually be let go from my job. Um, But then I could turn around and literally say, okay, guys, I've been doing this for three, four years. I maybe need a little bit of help. Hopefully you don't all hate me too much. And you'd be surprised, you know, how many people are willing to give back. So I, I absolutely adore the fact that, you know, you were investing in your brand and, you know, and just being visible online, I think it gives you that second career in, in this instance, almost like that third opportunity once you are done kind of with your um, agency experience. It's uh, it's pretty incredible the leverage that you can get from building a brand on social. Like I said, um, you know, even after I launched the website and even today, three or four years later, all my revenue still comes from social. Well, it originates on social. And then I have this funnel that I'm going to explain to you. That's pretty simple, but pretty effective. Uh, that turns all of those eyeballs into consulting dollars. Yeah, and we're definitely going to go into that more detail you know, as we kind of kicked off. You know, Nick has generated over a million impressions, you know, through his content, and as he had mentioned before, um, it's generated a, a ton of money from it too. So it's not just eyeballs for eyeballs' sake. But before we jump into that, you know, I definitely wanted just. Um, Testify that LinkedIn definitely works. It's one of those things I was kind of like everybody else. I was a little bit nervous to get out there. You know, that's the, I'm using the air quotes now, you know, professional environment, a little bit different than Twitter or Facebook. You know, not only are your coworkers going to look at it, but, you know, random CMOs or presidents, you know, you think there has to be kind of a different uh, voice and tone. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say in my experience, that's necessarily the case, you know, being direct thinking outside of the box is what gets people a lot of attention. And as I've doubled down in the last couple of years on LinkedIn, I've gotten quite a few of my biggest leads directly from people reaching out and saying, Hey, I saw, you know, your opinion on this and I actually agree with this, or I want to hear a little bit more. It's a topic that we are addressing in house. Yeah. So it's definitely a platform that I think, you know, I don't want to say it's underrated, but maybe underutilized by a lot of professionals. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, sales guys get LinkedIn, recruiters get LinkedIn, but a lot of other people don't get it is uh, so much. And it's, you know, it's all the revenue is attributable to LinkedIn and, and Facebook. So you can't, you can't sleep on it. Absolutely. 
Well, I think a lot of us, and almost reasonably so, I think you become more active on LinkedIn when the idea of a job change might be imminent, whether it be from Absolutely. your choice or not. So you start becoming, you know, but then you jump off <laughs> or some people do. And, you know, and to be fair, like working in public is uh, very unnatural and it creates a lot of anxiety for me. So it's not free yeah. money. Uh, you need to work hard on building the community and then you're going to pay the pay the price in anxiety. But um, some people like me and maybe you think it's a good trade off. Absolutely. You know, one of the scariest things that I had done that has probably paid the most dividends is I wrote a blog post and then threw it all over social that was literally tiled from being fired to making like 160K in eight months. And it's because yeah. I went out on that, like, it's not that nobody hasn't been fired before or that we haven't had bad experiences at work. That is not abnormal. But the world kind of makes it taboo to talk about it. So mm-hmm. if you are willing to I, confront it, you know, it's being in that awkward position where you're going to say, hey, I went through this. You know, it was scary. But I was fortunately able to turn it around and make it a really good opportunity. And here are some things you can take away from it. Like people are going to eat that up all day. It, it's just, it's amazing the amount of support. And that, in my opinion, and, and Nick, maybe you will contradict this or agree when you give us some of your tips, but being authentic versus just trying to tell people what they think they already want to hear, for me, has been one of the most critical components you know, to finding success on social media as a whole. You know, it's you're right. It's very hard to be vulnerable on social and publicly, um, you know, like it's, it's very tough. And I found that the only, I can be vulnerable, but only after like I take the L and then I'm on the way back up <laughs> uh, while I'm taking the L. I can't talk about it. No, but, and I'm with you too. I mean, I, I kind of do the same thing. I'll, I'll take mini L's, you know, lowercase L's, you know, yeah. like I this and it failed and that's okay. But yeah, I was definitely not like, Hey, I got cam today, you know, for me. It was only uh, literally after eight months of being out on my own and realizing that it was indeed going to be successful. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to set myself up for a double L. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. So step step one is is take the L, but step two is get the W and then and then share the L. Step and then come back. Yep. Yeah. So Nick, I think we've been dragging this on a little bit. People are going to be really interested. So. You've driven over a million views. I think you had told me 1.0 million specifically on LinkedIn uh, this year. Yeah. So far. Can you walk us a million through? this year? Yeah, that's and that's absolutely fantastic. Can you walk us through um, what your strategy is? You know, were you setting out to get this large number and kind of backed into it, or is this just more of a uh, what happens because you followed some of your your best practices that you'll share with us? Yeah, um, I think. Uh, well, I mean, I definitely set out to get big numbers. Like, uh, when I started, I wasn't hoping to like hit a hundred thousand impressions or get a couple of likes. I was like, I want to, I want to be, I want to be one of the top gurus. You know, my mom wasn't super pumped when I told her I'm going to be an SEO guru, but I was like, listen, mom, I'm, I'm going for number one. And she's like, okay, sweetie, as long as you're having fun. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Do you need help with rent this month though? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So so basically, the, the strategy is you think of LinkedIn as a funnel or basically a traffic acquisition source, maybe like the Google search results. Um, 
you know, what, how most people browse LinkedIn is they just sit on their newsfeed and they just scroll and they comment and they engage and they look for things that are interesting. So there's two things that need to happen. The first is you need to create content, um, not only on your, your statuses, uh, which is super important, but in the beginning, especially when you're fresh, the way that you're going to get attention is by being helpful on other people with a lot of visibility. So in the beginning, do like 10 times more commenting than you're doing posting. Today, now that I have the audience, I can get away with just posting and not doing a lot of engagement. But in the beginning, you just, you got to put in the work you got. And it, and it has to be helpful too, or else it's not going to work. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, I'll just say there too, yeah. tell me if you disagree, Nick, is I find that when you do that, the the engagement, you find that you build little pods of, I don't want to call them fans, but you probably see this too. It's like you post something and it's that small group that you have commented on. They end up being the first ones to either like or comment on yours as well. It's like almost this uh, reciprocal relationship. That's exactly right. You just described how the LinkedIn algorithm works. LinkedIn gives you what you give it. And so the more time that you spend engaging on your feed, the more visibility LinkedIn's going to give to you because you know, they're going to show your content to the people who liked your last content and comment on your last content. And so if you can, if you put the engagement in and people respond to you, your content will begin appearing in their feed and they know how the game works. And so they're like, Hey, this guy boosted my post with a comment. I'm going to throw him a comment, kind of keep the relationship going. And you're right. Now I like, you know, I have like a lot of my, like, I would say best friends in marketing are like people that I just like started commenting on randomly on LinkedIn and, and we're still talking, you know, four years later. Yeah. And, and it's amazing. I mean, I know that's kind of how you and I had gotten connected. It was, Oh, Hey, Nick, uh, being Nick Doran, you know, I have written something that was interesting starts with a like, you know, then you like something and it's like, Oh, I'm going to throw in my two cents. Then all of a sudden yeah. it's commenting on my stuff. And now it's like, as soon as something goes up, it's almost like an automatic like, not only yeah, because you're exactly what right. you're saying, but you're trying to give that extra visibility because you know there's going to be a benefit for them and it's going to come back, you know, full force. You know, I always say the nicest thing you can do to support your entrepreneurial, you know, entrepreneurial friends is just, you know, you don't have to buy their services, but we'll settle for a like or a comment. Just give us a little boost in the newsfeed. Yeah. One thing someone had uh, told me the other day that I actually found very, um, Intriguing and it's flattering too is this gentleman named Dave. Um, he is in another group with me. He does a lot of uh, schema markup on the SEO side. And yeah. we met for a call and he was super nice. And you know what he did is like he wrote a recommendation for me on LinkedIn. And cool. it basically just said, you know, hey, Nick took the time to jump on with me. We had a really good conversation. He's a good guy. And what was interesting, and I only found this out the other day when I was talking to him, is he does that with like individuals that he basically is targeting to build a relationship with because yeah. not everybody uses the recommendation function there. And so yeah. when you receive one, you have to actively read it and choose whether you're yeah. going to publish it to your profile or not. So it's just an opportunity. Now, granted, you have to be legit. Like don't try to pitch somebody your services in a recommendation, but for somebody to say, you know, Nick Jordan, I really appreciate that you took the time to, you know, call me and you gave me recommendations that were valuable. Like, who doesn't want to be able to promote that on their own thing? And now you remember me as an individual who has applauded you for being awesome. 
I think, you know, I think it all goes back to the, you know, one of the best ways to grow your career is just give to other people. And if you give enough, eventually you'll, you'll, the 1% who give back will change your life. I think it's like it's a Gary Vee quote or something. Um, so, okay. So there's a second part to this. Uh, all right. So you're creating content on your posts. Uh, you're, you know, you're posting content. You're also engaging and commenting on other people's comments. But the, the very next step is you need to actually like, you know, you, you don't stop there. So if you go to my LinkedIn profile, it's linkedin.com slash in slash Nick from Seattle. Or if you just search Nick from Seattle or Nick Jordan, you'll find me. You'll see that my headline is zero to 1.5 million organics a month in 24 months. And then slash and then my company name work out. And what this does is, first of all, I'm getting all this visibility. LinkedIn's putting me everywhere. I'm appearing on everyone's news feed, whether it's a post or a comment. But then they like see like the craziest number, maybe one of the craziest numbers they've ever seen in SEO. You know, not everyone is friends with uh, the SEO director at NerdWallet. Um, so zero to 1.5 million organics a month is, is great for most people. Um, and they're like, what the heck? And then they'll <laughs> click my profile. Great. I treat my profile like a landing page. If you look at my like my headline image, it's like a big fat graph of zero to 1.5 million. And then it says like, no backlinks, no technical BS, like this great content. And then, and then I use the LinkedIn feature, like the featured media. And it's like, hey, here's the case study on zero to 1.5 million. And then when they go to the, my like company, the, you know, my work experience on my profile, I also attach media there. And so everywhere that they're looking on my profile, I'm like, hey, go to my website and check out this case study. And so then they click through and then they, they what we call it indoctrination content. And the reason we call it that is because by the end, by the time someone's done reading it, they're like, this is the only way to approach SEO. And this is the only guy I can hire to do it. <laughs> and so it's 5,000 words and it's, it's very tactical. It's very actionable. It's, it's, I give away 99% of the stuff. Um, and throughout the content, I have email captures and I Perfect. have links to my Facebook group <laughs> and then I have my YouTube channel. And so People originate on Facebook or they originate on LinkedIn or Twitter, but then they get to the website, they indoctrinate themselves, and then they end up following me on every platform that I'm on. And so it doesn't matter if the algorithm on LinkedIn doesn't show them my content today because Facebook will show it to them today or YouTube will show it to them today. And I'm kind of, now I'm all of a sudden, I'm omnipresent. I, I like everything that you had said, and especially the idea of capturing that audience across multiple you know, owned in, I'll kind of call them rented spaces, you know, LinkedIn, yeah. Facebook, you know, as we saw with Facebook, it's like your organic reach is like nothing these days. So it really ties, yeah. but, you know, being able to capture people on YouTube and LinkedIn and Twitter and, you know, I love email too. I mean, now it's yeah. easier to get somebody's social security number than it is their email. So, you know, yeah. anytime you can do that, you know, that's a, a great opportunity. So I think that's, absolutely fantastic and and that's simply to your point having a captivating headline getting people to click into your profile and then feeding them what they already want because they're intrigued by that headline yeah yeah and then pushing them to all your other channels so you can't lose them if one of the platforms goes haywire yeah no and and that's fantastic i've had to a little bit lesser extent i recently in the last six months had added like co-owner of seojobs.com and when I see people publishing um, help wanted, you know, ads or new job descriptions on LinkedIn, a lot of times I'll go in there and ask them, you know, hey, do you want like a free listing? 
you know, or an opportunity yeah. for that. Cool. And check it out on my LinkedIn, normally go through. And they may take me up on the free one that time, but then they'll come back and do a paid you know, spot the next time. So it's a really yeah. good opportunity to help while also secretly kind of being promotional. Because <laughs> anytime they take me up on the free one, I'll go back to that conversation and be like, oh, hey, and here it is in the comments. So cool. I like, like you know, and, it, and it's a long term game, you know, like I've had people that have viewed my content for years before finally booking a call with me. And by the time they get to that call, they're like so warmed up and they feel like they know me and they feel like they can trust me because I didn't just have one successful project. I've had a bunch over these four years. And so they've kind of seen me grow and progress and never kind of stumble and, and leave the industry. And, and so by the time they reach out, there's so much trust. I remember when I first started consulting, the one of the first deals I closed he wired me $5,000 within 24 hours of DMing in Facebook. And I had no idea who he was, but he knew he'd, he'd been following me for like a year and a half at that point. And so it didn't seem quick to him, but it seemed very quick to me. <laughs> and, and that's the best way. And I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying about building that personal brand and, and visibility, because you know, especially with your sales background, this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier when you are starting a conversation from scratch, it's difficult. Like nobody really wants to be sold to ever. So if you kind of go in and it's more, I don't even want to call it like buddy, buddy, but it's like, you've already just kind of broken down that barrier. And it's more like, Hey, Nick, just talk to me. Like what is indeed the issue that you have? What are you trying to solve? And then you can kind of brainstorm collectively on like what the solution is. And naturally, if your solution happens to, um match the services that you offer like you said people are are ready then you're not hard selling them absolutely and when you're creating content people get to know your approach to seo and so when you jump on the phone it's a lot more all right well what are you working on then all right well let me start like from when you know google and stanford's like dormitory kind mm -hmm. of history of like <laughs> here's how i got to where i'm at um People just, they, they know how you work and they just want to know how you can apply it to their project. And, and that saves you a lot of time and it increases your close rate, and, you know, increases the deal sizes that you get access to. Without a doubt. I can tell normally within five minutes of a, a conversation with somebody who's interested in my services, you know, whether it's going to work out or not. And mostly it starts with either I was referred to you by X or I saw your newsletter which I know that's yeah. already going to be good. Like if it's a good fit, we very likely yeah. are going to close this versus if I get the, okay, now tell me a little bit about yourself and your services. It's like, you know, you're starting from absolute scratch. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you're right. The conversations where people haven't read my case study on zero to 1.5 million always go way worse. Cause like, I do have to spend all this time just like explaining why everything that they know about SEO is probably wrong. And why am I, you know, like, so, yeah. exactly. without telling them directly that it's wrong. <laughs> Have you thought about it yeah. this way? Yeah, there's just so much to say. It's, it's helpful if they already know most of it by the time they show up. Right. So Nick, I have a bunch of LinkedIn questions to get your opinions on, but I don't want to interject. Do you have additional tips outside of that? Or can I go straight into my questions? No, I think I think I'd say the last tip I have is that as a freelancer, you know, unless you're like Kevin Indig or or Steve Poth and you're just coming off a really hot brand on a really hot campaign, 
um, chances are you're starting at the bottom. Uh, you get access to the worst opportunities, the worst clients, uh, the worst budgets. Um, and a lot of people get stuck there. Um, you know, I know some people who started SEO at the same time as me who are still servicing, you know, those thousand dollar a month flower shops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the reason that I'm, I'm not is because I had a very purposeful approach to my career as an SEO consultant. And essentially, you know, going back to that thing that I said earlier, every project that every opportunity I take on needs to, if it doesn't make me rich and it can't retire me, then it needs to, you know, enable me to learn the skills and meet the people to do something even higher impact next. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, how you should treat project work too. You know, in the beginning, you need to take on whatever projects you can get because you need to pay the bills. But if, you know, your capacity is limited and if you're filled with unambitious projects, you're really not going to get the the case studies that you need to move up market. And what I found is that it's very hard to build a living on a thousand dollar a month projects. Um, Some people can do it. Uh, I can't. I just I I can't. Um, You need need to have significant operational excellence. And as a new SEO consultant, you probably don't have any operational excellence. Right. Um, And you're trying to set proper expectations. So it's not about crushing it and driving the 150,000 visits per month. It's about almost trying to set the, the almost the opposite. It's like at $1,000, this isn't a big <laughs> engagement. Therefore, you should only expect 100 visits or whatever the equivalent is. So it's like you're not delivering quality results per se, but trying to match the, the expectations to the budget. The, the, the thing is, yeah, you have to match the expectations to the budget. But the thing is, is, you know, SEO, the case study takes a year to develop. And so if a year goes by and you don't have this case study that can take you to the next level, like you didn't really make any momentum in your career. And right. so, you know, take on the projects for the short term cash flow because you need money to pay the bills. But then stop before you're tapped out. So you have capacity to take on more ambitious projects. You have to earn the right to move up market by succeeding at the projects you have access to at your current level. And so like whatever it takes, you need to get the graph that's going to allow you to get $2,500 a month, $5,000 a month, $15,000 a month clients. Um, and it's going to take a, a couple years to be able to get that kind of pricing power. It's assuming with, you're consistently moving up market. Yeah. And without a doubt, it's absolutely every single time a situation where the rich get richer. You start with you know a success at that thousand dollar rate, turns into the two thousand, and then before you know it, you're closing your pitches strictly because they'll say, "Oh, who else have you worked?" And if and if you were gonna sit there and say, "Oh, it's Shopify and Adidas and Nike," you know, like yeah. that's kind of enough. Like they don't even need to see your your graphs. You know, they you know, nor would you that's publish right. with those type of things. But it's definitely one of those situations before, and you know, I can um, attest to exactly what you had said. You know, I came from agency world where as a director role, my rates were north of $350, $400 an hour. And when I went out on my own, you know, I had some personal branding, but I was unwilling to use previous agency experience and results to sell myself. So I had yeah. to start. I literally took the $1,000 and it's like, Oof. okay, look, but I built this. And then it was yeah. like, I did that. And then before you know it, yeah. yeah, it's like, before you know it, I was so excited. Like chasing the logos was super exciting for me. Cause it's like, all you need is to be able to get one good brand that you can do some really good stuff with and your yeah. opportunities explode at that point. 
it's so funny. Well, it's so I, I don't know if it's funny. Well, it's funny to me, but probably not to a lot of people. Uh, but it's so funny that the better at SEO you get, the easier projects you get to work on. You know, like yep. SEO is way easier with massive budgets on super high authority projects, and that's they hire the best SEOs. So I tell people all the time that I have so much respect for individuals that do SEO for small businesses because they are probably better at that than I am yeah. you know, with these large ones. Because to your point, <laughs> going from zero to a hundred thousand visits is infinitely harder than going from a million visits to five million visits. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, you just you just have less budget. Like the, there's just there's less stuff to work with. And exactly, what um, do you mean you don't have a content team of thirty people to write <laughs> yeah. <blog> today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Nick, let me run a couple LinkedIn specific questions. These are things that I tend to believe, but I can't say that I have anything to validate these for best practices. Specifically, when it comes to posting. So I'm going to spitfire a couple tactics and you tell me kind of thumbs up or thumbs down on whether it's good for the algorithm. Okay. 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 By the way, I want to throw, uh, throw this out there. Um, I got a million visitors this year, but last year at the end of the last year, I started making my executive team build their social profiles too. And one of them got a million visitors this year using the, oh. everything that we talked about on this call. Sorry. No, 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 no. But that's even better. That's like, again, in my agency experience, there was, there's always fun to get those wins, but there's nothing more exciting than somebody that you're coaching to learn and yeah. watching them win because yeah. that's like how you can continue to scale outside of just your name or your success. That's exactly right. I want to, I don't want to be the only rainmaker in the organization. Exactly. All right. So going back to these hard hitting questions, Nick, cause like I said, yeah. I'm curious, what's your thought on linking outside of LinkedIn in your blog posts or sorry, in your LinkedIn posts? Uh, never do it. LinkedIn will crush your reach. LinkedIn's goal is to show you more LinkedIn ads. Um, and LinkedIn can't do that if you click my link uh, to my website. So uh, don't don't ever post an external link. If I wear my tinfoil hat and think I'm circumventing the, the, um, the system and say, click in the comments to see link, do you think that circumvents it? Or do you think... <clears throat> I think... I think it used to, and I don't think it does it anymore. Um, I, I think it does it less. But if I was going to drop a link, here's what I do. If I was going to drop a link, I want the post to get a lot of engagement first because then it kind of has some momentum before um, you know before the link stops. So mm -hmm. get the momentum, get the comments, and then maybe go back and update the post, add the link, and then let everybody know you also added the link. And you, so you just stole my next question. Um, if you publish something and you start seeing traction or don't, how often do you want to go back and edit it? Like, is editing it and potentially even to modify how it views before you hit the, the ellipsis to drop down? So I think I'm concerned about uh, trends and how the content is performing in general and less about any given post. And so like I've, I will very rarely ever go back and edit just because, you know, I've posted 365 day, days of the last 365. So like any given post isn't so important to my kind of presence. Right. I, I actually really like that one because admittedly, I sometimes can get caught up on the, because I think for people like us that have ran quite a few posts, you have a pretty good idea of what's going to show and then what will display after somebody clicks the ellipsis. But every once yeah, in a while yeah. you hit publish and you're like, oh shoot, my first tip, you know, is showing above the fold, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> 
if if I mess up the ellipsis thing where like I like reveal like the the hook, like yep. instead of making them click the ellipsis, then I'll go back and delete it and like but um I know that well from what I understand, if you edit a post shortly after posting it, uh LinkedIn and both Facebook will actually reduce the reach of that. So I would just go ahead and delete it and then repost it. So that's a good tip right there, because I admittedly have been doing editing. So I think I will try outright deleting and, and reposting on those ones. That it's it's fuzzy for me. I'm not like a hundred percent, but that's kind of just what I've seen with yeah. With and totally, and admittedly, like I said, these are just the hard hitting questions that I personally yeah. have for you. We're not going to hold you accountable, but it's cool. going to hear other people, especially you. Like I said, you and I see each other's materials on LinkedIn, so we obviously know what's going yeah. on and what works. But it's fun to yeah. poke at people. You know how we think about this. Um, so I'm not going to. I'll do maybe one or two more of these questions. But what's your thoughts on? attaching an image and does size matter and does that have an impact on reach yeah i think uh it goes down to user engagement metrics so if the media could drive better you know click-throughs comments likes shares ellipsy clicks um, then it's good you know i think linkedin will occasionally when they want to push a certain feature they'll also give those features more reach so there's a period of time i don't know six months where linkedin was like we need more polls and so anytime you made a poll <laughs> linkedin would just give you so much more reach than any other post type and i get like twenty thousand impressions and then the next day with my regular post i get like five thousand. right no and, and that makes sense too and i think that does kind of show that you've got to continue to be aware of what all the features are and what's kind of working. You know, even, you know, when I see something in my feed that's got, you know, 100 comments or 100 likes, I'm immediately kind of reverse engineering it, trying to just understand what are they writing about and is it the content or is it the interactions? Yeah. Okay, Nick, two last questions and then um, we'll, we'll move on to some of your recommendations for the listeners. Okay, here's one I've always been curious about. If you're having a post that is having success, well, I'll use the word viral loosely. Do you think yeah. there's negative um, content or is there any negative to posting a new post while that one is like going viral? So I think that there's like a frequency cap. You can't post 20 times a day. Like eventually there's diminishing returns. Right. Um, my uh, co-founder Boyan, who is the one who got the million impressions, he actually beat me this year. Um, <laughs> he experimented with three posts per day for about a month, maybe two months, maybe three months, uh, just recently. And it really drove up his, his reach initially. Um, but then it, it fell off a cliff. So he went back down to, to one a day. Wow. I love that. I think, again, you know, beating a dead horse at this point, but it's like just continue to watch and monitor um, you know, your statistics. Last yeah, that's, question. That's, that's exactly what it is. So last question for you. When you do get responses or questions, obviously when somebody is asking you a question, it makes sense to respond to them. That's just, you know, being nice <laughs> and that's part of social but when people sit there and go like oh great tip nick do you think there's a benefit to you responding to that you know oh hey thanks for thanking me for my tip you know as in the frequency of interaction <laughs> on it and i know we're playing like super detailed but i'm just again curious your thoughts no i love it so you know Remember my headline, 0 to 1.5 million organics a month. My goal as a LinkedIn marketer is to get that headline as many places on the feed as possible. And so sure. 
I like at this point, three years in, not, not all my comments are super helpful anymore because uh, I can kind of write on my brand. And so a lot of my comments are just like emojis, like three rocket ships or like a heart or like I'll do huge with a bunch of caps because uh, I'm excited about everything. Um, just to get like, again, the headline on people's news feed. So they click through the profile and kind of kick off this funnel. So I think it's, I would definitely recommend at the minimum, just replying with like a heart. Yeah, I like that. And don't overthink it. Yeah, I want to I wanna touch base on a couple different things or a couple of thoughts I have on the algorithm um, before we move on. So one of them is, you know, earlier I said LinkedIn gives you what you give it. Um, the more engagement you give your newsfeed, the more engagement you'll get back. Uh, what I've seen is that you can take a break for about a month before your engagement starts to dip. So, um, you know, I spent a bunch of time and effort building, building momentum. Um, I went on PTO and I scheduled a bunch of posts using Publer and those dripped out and they continued to crush, but eventually I hit a point where I could, I could see the amount of reach that I'm getting declining declining and declining it's actually the lowest it's been in in a couple of years just because i i stopped putting in the effort into the news feed and engaging with other people's content yeah that's a good reminder again i've even seen it you know you go out for a week or two and it's like all of a sudden you're gone so it's a reminder to yeah. always be there always kind of keep feeding that fire yeah the the last thing is um there's actually there's two more things so the, the first is you know, I don't do any outbound sales. Um, you know, when I connect with someone, uh, I don't, um, I don't pitch them. Um, but I do have a Crunchbase subscription, and I'm constantly, basically, adding founders of VC-backed companies who just raised money in the last X days. Uh, that's my target audience. If you should do it the same for your target audience, find a lead source and just connect with those people. Maybe you use LinkedIn itself, and you just connect with other people commenting on the same statuses you're commenting on. But you know, continue to, not only should you be engaging, but you should be expanding your network too. Um, but as you're expanding, you're not pitching because cold pitching is one of the easiest ways for someone <laughs> to never look at your content again. Exactly. And it's really, you know, it's really just like SEO, your SEO career is a long-term game. So, you know, the person you connect with today, they're going to give you money three years from now. And yep. that's like, that's fine. It is fine. I agree with you. The long game is where the money is. Um, all right. Last thing is, uh, you know, going back to the type of content that's engaging, um, it's always, you know, the most interesting B2B content has a strong opinion that comes from personal experience. Um, and so in order to create effective content, you kind of have to have uh, effective accomplishments or at least share the journey on your way to accumulating these effective accomplishments. If you're out there on LinkedIn posting that voice search is going to be relevant in 2023 <laughs> or that you know, uh, the difference between SEO and PPC and just basically common knowledge about the industry that people have already said, you know, you're not going to, no one's going to engage with your content. Um, so, so you have to have some sort of empathy for who your reader is. Yeah, I think, I think that's huge. You know, I do try to encourage people to just start by posting because I think there's a hurdle simply to get into the habit of posting. So I do 100%. sometimes encourage a little bit of the elementary stuff because it's not always brand new to everybody. But to your point, if it's going to be a tactic that you want to rely on for quite a bit of time, if not forever, you got to get deeper. And I think that goes to just being the vulnerable, whether it's me getting fired to you making, you know, a hundred thousand sessions in a, 
in a month, like you gotta, you gotta go there. Absolutely. Sweet. So starting to wrap up here, Nick, one thing that I love to ask all my guests are just recommendations that you have for anybody who in a, who is an aspiring freelancer or may want to do things that we're talking about today. You know, this could even be with the LinkedIn tactics, but do you have like courses or <laughs> LinkedIn tools or anything in particular that you would recommend? Um, you know, just follow people in the space that are, are crushing it. Steve Toth is crushing it. Kevin Indag, Eli Schwartz. Um, Boyan, Mark, um, my business partner, I have some good content. Um, and you'll just kind of just fill your feed with people that you want to emulate and eventually the robot on you. Yeah, no, and that's so true. I think any opportunity you have just to talk to people, you know, I've interviewed Steve, you know, I've talked to Kevin uh, quite a bit. Eli, I've <laughs> mentioned many times giving away, you know, a couple signed copies of his books on my newsletter right now, you know, building cool. those type of, um, engagements are are huge, and those are the type of people that will come full circle and you know help you with leads or referrals or you know we all regularly like and comment on each other's comments too, which you know yeah just really helps. Yeah, nice. Well, Nick, I really appreciate your time. I think uh, LinkedIn, as we talked about, is really underutilized, and all these tips and you know kind of quick an- answers you provided are super helpful. For people that want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to contact you? And I'll make sure to include all of this in the transcript in the post too. Yeah, great. So uh, if you're on Facebook or LinkedIn or, or YouTube, sorry, Facebook, LinkedIn, Nick from Seattle, YouTube content distribution, um, my startup workella.com helps you hire writers. Um, and on my website, contentdistribution.com, it's a lot of, man, it's too many resources. I got to consolidate. <laughs> um, we have all sorts of like tactical, actionable guides on how to do crazy fat graphs. Um, and we give it all away. So uh, hopefully the links will be in the description because I'm confused myself. <laughs> no problem. Like I said, this will absolutely be in there. And Nick, like I said, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to the next episode of the SEO Freelancer. I had See a great ya. time. Thank you so much.